Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Okay. It's always hard in these moments. I've got a lot of things I kind of need to announce, uh, but uh, it just doesn't feel right, you know? Just kind of how many of us, and you don't have to respond by raising a hand, but how many of us would just say, first of all, that I sound weird in, this, in the system. <laughs> Do you hear that? Is that that's, that's not Chris's fault. It's just how it is. But, um, but how many of us would just say, man, God, you're stirring a hunger. You're exposing the place in my heart that, that you really need to touch where I really need to touch. And how many of us would say that and be honest about that place? Because as we're... Uh, as we're encountering God, one of, the, one of the things that God does, one of the things that happens as we come into God's presence is, uh, is sometimes the, the, the tears that are seeds before the shout, before the celebration, before the laugh, and, uh, and the, the broken places of our heart. And I really believe, like, uh, Keith, you were talking about a prophetic word. I, uh, I sat down a couple of times, and I, I wrote this this morning in my seat as we were worshiping that one of the things I think that God wants to do today is he wants to turn bitterness of heart into purity of heart. I think that so many of us have learned how to do life with bitterness, and we justify it, and we have points, and if you ask us why we're bitter, uh, we can list you the, the ways that we've been hurt and the ways that we've been disappointed and the ways that we have been angry and uh, nothing against all the things that have hurt us and dis- disappointed us and angered us. Um, I'm not saying they're not real. I'm just saying that Jesus wants to heal those. He doesn't want you to learn how to do life with them. And I, I think that one of the things that God is doing in this day in the church is he's waking us up again to actually walk in a purity of heart um, that, that we must uh, relearn, be reawakened to. You know what I mean? That where we would actually have a heart like Jesus that feels like Jesus and sees like Jesus and responds like Jesus. And that the bitterness of heart, like when, when I was kind of pouring out my alabaster, you know, this morning, really what was coming out of it was my bitterness. Sometimes that's all you have to offer God. It's not sweet smelling perfume sometimes. Uh, but what happens in the kingdom is you pour out your bitterness on God and you give it to him and it comes out to him like sweet smelling perfume. He's like, man, I've been wanting that. I've been wanting that. And it's beautiful to God. So I really believe that something that the, the Spirit is doing is he wants to take your, the, bitter, the bitter places in your heart this morning. So what you were feeling as we were worshiping, don't lose that, all right? Um, those, those, are, those are like an X marks the spot for Jesus this morning, okay? He's going to deal with that this morning if you wouldn't hold on to it but release it. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk this morning about purity of heart. It's purity of heart. We, let me just say that again. Purity of heart. We don't, we don't use that terminology a whole lot. There's, we use a lot of words like fire, wind. We love those words around here. We want the fire of God to fall. We want the winds of the Spirit to blow. We do. But I want to talk this morning about purity of heart. Do you know the Bible says, Jesus says, Sermon on the Mount, the pure in heart will see God. Purity of heart is so close to God's heart. The church operating in purity of heart has massive potential to make incredible impact on the world, incredible impact on society, and incredible impact on lives. I think that in the, from the kingdom's perspective, there's, there's a, um, from the kingdom's perspective, it's the, it's the quiet behind the scenes prayer warriors and pure warriors that are making a bigger cultural impact, and less and less. I had, to get rid of, I had to get rid of Facebook this week. I cannot stand it anymore. Cannot stand it anymore. And I'm, I'm not saying that we all should. I think some of us, if we can use Facebook with purity of heart, fine. But there's not much pure on it. It's, it's a platform for the bitter to just share their stuff. And I hate it when it's under the, the guise of God because God doesn't roll like that. So I think that God wants to do something and I, I, I think like it's gonna be, look like less like social media and more behind the scenes pure warriors that are just 
from, from the, the best intentions just wanting to see Jesus move. And I believe that one of the secrets, one of the keys today for the church actually being influential again in culture is not having great media things on social media and not putting up signs and not making declarations, but returning to a spirit of purity again in the church. The church, the church operating with a pure heart could change the world. I simply believe what God is longing to use in this day is people who genuinely walk in purity before him. Now there's a difference between purity and perfection. Do not hear perfection when I say purity, all right? God is not looking for people who walk in perfection. He's looking for people who walk in purity. You hear that? This is not, this is not a kind of a, a blast you and shame you into being a better person. That is not it. It's just, a, it's, it's, this is lovesick terminology. Someone, that, a, a church, a bride that just out of purity heart just simply wants God. And that is where, that is the purity that God is looking for. I think uh, purity of heart is less about perfection and just more about presence. Um, the uh, purity of God is left, less about giftedness. It's less about talentedness. It's less about position. It's less about leadership skills. And it's more about purity. Just more about purity. We've, we're losing the word purity in, in culture. It's no longer popular <laughs> to live pure, wow. just purely devoted to God. Wow. That, that's not like, like what, what's, what gets more attention is people who don't uh, live pure but just like celebrate that they're loved. And listen, you're loved. Right. You're loved. Yeah. All right? But the loved ones have had their hearts captured by God and then just purely want to give it back, all right? So um, you know that 2 Chronicles, I think it's 16.9, says the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the earth, looking for people to strongly support whose hearts are purely devoted to him. I think God wants to get behind you and your life and he wants to get behind this church. But how he wants to strong, the, the people he wants to strongly support are just the people that have just said, God, not in my perfection, not in my skill sets, not in my talent, but in just my pure love for you. I, I just, that's what gets his attention, all right? Um, so uh, I was wondering why Daniel chapter three was on my heart all week. I was wrestling with it. Book of Daniel, I preached our Revelation last week and now Daniel this week. If you notice, like, I really believe that God's calling me just to kind of uh, teach. I'm telling very few stories. I used to be known just for my stories. You're the best storyteller. I, I rarely tell stories anymore. I, I think God's trying to teach me how to teach. Uh, but, um, but here is, you know, so, I, so I'm sorry if you used to come here because I used to tell stories about my kids and my dogs, you know, or my dog. Uh, I hope that wasn't prophetic. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Please, I, I really want to shoot the one I have, so, um, but, uh, <laughs> or at least just break his leg. Jesus, just let me break his leg. Uh, but um, anyway, the, uh, the Daniel, Daniel chapter three um, is, a, uh, is, is one of these passages, is, you know, the book of Daniel is kind of obscure if you read on it. It kind of really begins to line up with the book of Revelation, speaking to uh, prophetic uh, utterances on end times things. But Daniel chapter three is a very well-known story of, of three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those, those are their Babylonian names, all right? That, that is not their Hebrew names, okay? I'm gonna make you go dig for their Hebrew names if that's important to you. But we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And so what I'm, what I'm calling this message today is Jesus in the fire, and I, I think that as we look at, the, at the, just the pure devotion of, of these three men, um, I, I think it's gonna unlock bitterness in our hearts and I think it's gonna turn us to purity. Come on? All right, now let me put this in context. I'm gonna be starting with verse eight. Uh, but let me put this in context for you. Um, the, the king of Babylon at this time, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, and now he has, um, he has taken over Israel and he has, he has taken from Israel all the best of the land. And uh, Daniel is one of those best, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are some of those best, but a host of others uh, uh, are kind of exiled and kind of brought into Babylon to serve the king and to serve Babylon. So um, there's a, man, this, if you wanna read the first two chapters of Daniel, it would be good for you. Um, but uh, we pick this up in, in this spot where um, 
Nebuchadnezzar builds a huge golden image. It is massive in stature. And he builds a huge gold image. We don't, the Bible doesn't say exactly what it is, but we could guess that maybe it's a statue of himself or maybe it's a statue of some God that they worshiped in Babylon, maybe something else, but probably one of those two things. And this statue is not made uh, out of artistry, though it sounds like it's beautiful. Uh, the statue is made for the purpose of worship. And what happens, what Nebuchadnezzar wants is he, he builds this statue and he gathers all of the people of the land and he uh, unveils the statue and then he has a worship band and his, uh, his command is, when you hear the music, I want you to all bow down before the statue and worship it, all right? Now, I just told you that there's people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego that are in this land, they're exiled to a foreign land, but they're still serving God, not statues. And so what, what happens is when the statue is unveiled, these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refuse to bow. They just stand. And there's thousands of people bowing, worshiping something made with human hands. But these three don't, they just purely stand. Now, I want to pick this up here in verse 8 because it gets the attention of some people. It says this, therefore, at that time, the time where the three refused to bow, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. All right, so they're not just reporting. They have malicious intent, so that would not be a pure heart, all right? Make that note. They have malice in their heart, and they have accusation on their lips, and they're maliciously accusing these three and they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, uh, o king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So let me tell you what's happening here, and let me tell you uh, what I believe is going on in, in, this, uh, in this passage is that these foreigners, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, from that these Jewish people have actually taken positions that these uh, informants um, uh, wanted. And they're angry. And so their eye is on them, and that's why when they see that they're not obeying the king's rules, they're maliciously accusing. All right? This is not out of love. This is not out of love for the king. This is, this is, uh, this is malice. This is accusation. And so they, uh, they say, these men are paying no attention to you, and, and this, is, this is ridiculous. Um, they're not listening to you. I want to talk from, from that passage just for a moment what purity of heart is not. You get it from, right from there. You just have to, you have to just read for a moment. But purity of heart is not a few things. Number one, purity of heart does not operate in accusation. It is not accusational. If anybody has ever accused you, I, listen, I promise you, God does not accuse. He does, that, if you were operating, if, if somebody has accused you of something, I promise you with all of my heart, on the, on the authority of scripture, it did not come from God. Yes. All right? The, 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 the Bible says that Satan, the devil, is that one of his names is the accuser of the brethren. So any accusation, as, as bitter as your heart feels and as right as it feels to do it, any accusation is not from God, it's from the enemy. All right? And so purity of heart is, is not accusational. Sometimes it's interesting when I look at this and, and we've, got, we've got malicious men accusing that, that's in line with, with Satan's kingdom, all right? You've got malicious men accusing, but then they come to the king and say, oh, king, you have made a decree that every man, they, they, they kind of they love on the king with their words, and I think that sometimes politeness makes ac accusation very stealthy. Well, they said it in such a nice way. But you don't look at the way they said it. You look at the content of their words. It's the content of the words. It, it, it can be said as smooth as butter. It can be said as, as sweet as honey. 
It can be buttery and honey. All right? I'm kind of making myself hungry right now. But it can, it can come off just like, it can come off like, hey, listen, I, I, I know you don't have time for this, but I'm just kind of looking out for you. Like, here's what I've heard. So-and-so and so-and-so did so-and-such and such-and-such to so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm just saying, 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 saying. What, what you, you see, it's not, it's not how you, then you smile and you give me, listen, I know everything's gonna work out, give a hug, I'm out, just wanted to plant that demonic seed in your heart, it's gonna ruin your life, it's gonna trouble you in your sleep, <laughs> just wanted, just wanted to say. And so many times, like in the church, we put up with that nonsense. It was polite. We, we, we like people who make us feel good. We like people who maybe scratch our itch. But it is not purity of heart. It's, it's the, the, if the content of the words are accusational, whether, whether it came off as honey or not, it was, it was from the enemy, not from Jesus. So if you, if you say anything accusational, if you hear anything accusational, that's not God. All right? Purity of heart is not accusational. Let me, let me say this, though, that purity of heart uh, is not furious, it is not full of rage. One of the things in the church is if, if we're speaking out of furious rage, where we're speaking out of anger, all right, um, we have to be honest. We, we can't just pass that off as, as you know, God's righteous anger. Amen. Okay? I, we, I, we, we can't be a church anymore that blows each other up and then calls it righteous anger. All right? It's not how it works. All right, that's not how it works. Uh, if, if, we wanna, if we wanna see unity and we wanna uh, make steps towards one another, we don't vent on one another, we humble ourselves and go low. And then lower still. And then, then dig a hole in the ground and go even lower. Uh, we don't, like, like, we have to stop excusing our fury. A heart driven by anger is not a heart of purity. All right? And these are all places where they're invitations. If, if we've got bitterness in our heart, we've got fury in our hearts, we talk a lot and rage, we've got a lot of anger. These are places that the Holy Spirit this morning does not want to condemn you for. That's not how he operates. You see, he, he wants an invitation into those places. And he wants you to pour that bitterness and that rage and that fury out, and he wants to change it into something great. It's worship under God. A heart driven by anger is not a heart of purity. And God's calling us to, uh, a heart of purity, it, it means that we're gonna have to surrender our rage. Not, not tame it down. Not learn breathing techniques. All right? That, that is just a, a Band-Aid on a wound that needs 75 stitches. All right? We actually, if, if we wanna get rid of our rage, we're gonna have to get healing. Healing. So what we do in the church is we, is we teach people how to subdue the beast. How to, how to you know, get the, you know, just like, kind of like, oh, just, just throw, throw a blanket over something gross. So you just, you learn to deal with it, but you never take care of it. And that is not discipleship. Discipleship is not going around messes and just learning how to do life. Discipleship is actually seeing Jesus victorious over every single place in our lives. And so rage and fury have to be one of those places where, where, where that we, we give to God and that, where that's not coming out anymore. It's, it's, it's purity. How about this? Purity of heart is not threatening. Purity of heart does not operate in ultimatums. Nathan, just giving you a heads up. If you don't lead the church like this, let me tell you what's gonna happen to you because I'm gonna do it. Wow, wow. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. You're not getting your way, but thanks for the heads up. Wow. <laughs> that is not, name me one place where, where, where the, out of the Father's heart, he threatens. Wow. He'll make promises. Amen. Threats are just like illegitimate promises. Wow. But listen to this. Look at verse 14, 15, or verses 14 and 15 of chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you do not serve my gods and worship the golden image that I have set up? He wasn't really asking. <laughs> now if you are ready, it's rhetorical. 
Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship. I'd love to hear that band, by the way. <laughs> what kind of satanic music is this? Uh, but uh, uh, once you hear the bagpipe mixed with the lyre, all right, um, you know, I want you to fall down. I'm going to give you another chance because I'm kind. I want you to worship me. Let's see. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who delivered you out of my hands? All right, so here's what you're going to do. I don't care about what you believe. I don't care about your God. I care about me, the king says. I'm gonna give you another chance to get on my good side. And if not, here's what I'm gonna do to you. That is called leading by threatening. Threats ultimatums do not come from a pure heart like God's. If you, if you don't do what I want, when I want, how I want, the way I want, here's what I'm gonna do to you. It's not how God operates. Some, if you read the Bible without the Holy Spirit and you've got hurt and pain in your heart, you could maybe, God could maybe come off that way, but I promise you, God has a good heart that wants you. He's built every path and bridge necessary to get you if you want him through faith, but it's not, the, the way that God operates is not threatening. I think many times we learn to do life with threats. We learn to receive them, we learn how to give people just enough to get by. If, if it is there, it's going to rear its head eventually. We, we learn how to do marriages like this, we, we, we get what we want by threats. We, instead of coming into marriage 100%, 100%, just wholeheartedly giving, we come in 50%, 25%, 27%. We give a little bit here, take a little, we get, we're out for ourselves with our threats. But here's the last thing of what purity heart is not, is that purity of heart is not arrogant. It's not pride-filled. It's not full of pride. A, pu- a pure heart can be confident, but confidence and arrogant, uh, arrogance are, are very different so a, a pure heart does not operate in arrogance, and I just read where I got that from, where Nebuchadnezzar says after his threats, who is the God who will deliver you, deliver you out of my hands? Now, the word, the word arrogant, is, uh, which is what Nebuchadnezzar is being here, is uh, basically an exaggerated view of one's abilities. So I am able to do to you even what God doesn't want happen to you. I can do that. I, I, I can beat God on his own turf. You're God, they're God, I, because I am God. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, that's why I built a massive statue in my honor. It's an exaggerated view of one's abilities. And like maybe, in, some of us are here, we can get ourselves off the hook really fast, and not that I'm trying to get you on the hook, I just want bitterness to get out of your lives in place of, so to be replaced by purity, Amen. all right? But many times we, we say, you know, I, I, it's, you know, I haven't built a statue of myself and I've asked other people to bow down so I'm not arrogant, but you are in your own way. We build statues of ourselves all the time and ask people to agree with it and if they don't, we punish them. Well, uh, arrogance is, is excessive pride in self, okay? Excessive pride in self. Now, arrogance often disguises itself as confidence, but it is not confidence. Confidence is like humility. It's knowing who you are and being okay with it. I had a conversation uh, this week with Chris Dupre, and I said, here's some of the things that I need, and Chris said, I can help you with this, I can help you with this, but I cannot help you with that. I'm like, oh, I don't, why? He's like, because that's not what I do. <laughs> oh, that's refreshing. <laughs> ah, someone that actually knows who they are, that says, here's how I can help, and here's how I can't. That's confidence. All right? It's not saying, I'm good at everything. I, there's nothing that I can't do. And if you disagree with that, we're going to be enemies. <laughs> well, hey, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't. It's okay. It's okay. That's confidence. But arrogance, my friends, gets into the heart and exaggerates your importance so much that any sin against you is, is then exaggerated on top of that. How could you have done that to me? Me, me, me. And the kind of Christianity that we're, that we're in too much today makes such a big deal of you. And it doesn't remind us that we were those 
forgiven the hundred billion trillion, and we walk around holding dimes over other people's heads. It's arrogant. It's arrogant. And you know where arrogance breeds? Facebook. <laughs> Get it off your phone. Get it off your device. Now, what these ungodly traits, here's what these ungodly traits do. Here's, here's, what a life of, uh, here's what a heart of accusation instead of purity does. Here's what a, a, a heart of rage instead of purity does. Here's how, what a life of, of threats does instead of a life of purity. Here's what, here's what an arrogant heart does instead of a, a pure heart. It's, it's these ungodly un, uh, traits combine to create fires. That's what they do. They combine to create fires. And you create fires to punish people who disagree with these things in your life. You burn them hot. You, you threaten people with your fire. This fire that is, that is not, it's not the fire of the Holy Spirit where God wants to fill us up and light us up. It's not that. It's fire for punishment. It's fire for consuming enemies. It's fires of conviction. It's, it's fire to punish people that you disagree with and that I disagree with and that we disagree with and the church disagrees with and Democrats disagree with and Republicans disagree with and whoever else disagrees with. We want to create fires that doesn't make the world warm and bring light to it. We want to create fires of punishment to consume our enemies. We create fires. That's what an arrogant life does. These fires are not designed to purify. They're not refining fires. They're for fires of condemnation designed to kill. Arrogantly. Just wipe people off the planet. Wouldn't life be better if we could get rid of these people? Let's make a fire and burn them. Sound like anything in history to you? Now let me tell you what, what puts out the fire. It's purity. Purity. Here, here's, what, here's what purity is. Here's what purity looks like. Here's the fruit that comes out of, of purity. When there's somebody that has architected a fire in their arrogance to burn you up and to tear you down. Here's what a heart of purity is. Here's what it looks like. Here's how it operates. A heart of purity refuses to defend itself. It's a refusal to defend self. Somebody better get that. <laughs> Jesus just said, amen the pastor. You better amen the pastor on that one. All right. Jesus, isn't it very interesting that I, I know that, that in the, uh, the book of Isaiah, there was prophetic utterance given to Jesus being like a lamb that did not open its mouth in front of its shearers. All right. Then Jesus comes who lived a perfect life. And in front of his accusers, did not open his mouth. In a moment, he could have justified opening his mouth, calling down angels, and just throwing these people in fire. That's what the arrogant do. Jesus, confident and humble, refused to defend himself. Is that crazy? Guys, is that crazy? A pure heart does not have to have others see their point. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, when the king in his arrogance said, who's gonna deliver you from my hand? If you don't fall down and worship, I built a fire just for you to throw you into. All right? Here's the response. I love it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said, listen, listen, king, you don't wanna get rid of us. We bring so much to your kingdom. We're not saying that we won't serve you. We're just saying that we won't bow. Listen, you, you seem to be a gracious king. We, we'll worship our gods. You worship your gods. We'll just kind of meet halfway. It's okay, it's okay. You need us, you need us, you need us. Don't you need us? What about those people? They're telling on us. They're tattling, they're tattling, they're tattling. This is what happens on social media all the time. But here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. <laughs> Walk off. In other words, it, this is humiliating to the king. That's why he then has the fire seven times hotter, like it's burning seven times hotter because he's, he's, he's humiliated that what their, their refusal to defend the, their, themselves is basically saying, you are nothing to us. We, 
We don't care an ounce about serving you or what you think of us. We didn't stand, we didn't not bow because like somehow we thought we could get out of this. We knew that the fire was in our future and we don't care. A pure heart does not have to have others see their point. It is content with the approval from an audience of one. It is fine with God alone. You have to see me? You have to know me? You have to talk about my worth? You have to talk, talk, talk about my value? You don't have to know what happened behind the scenes? You don't, have to, you don't have to know any of that. If I can stand before God, not golden images, I can stand before God dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Fine, drop it, walk on. Refuse, refusal to defend itself comes from a heart of purity that says, my devotion and my skill is not at getting out of binds, but getting into God. Come on. I just, I'm fine with what God says about me. Wow. If, you, if you refuse to defend yourself, it, it actually, it, it's gonna make others angry, but it's gonna show that you know who you are. Yeah. I don't need to, I, I know who Jesus said I am. It's much different than your narrative, and I'm completely fine with his. All right? Here, let me tell you what else uh, a purity of heart is. Is, is, is purity of, of heart is simple obedience. Simple obedience. Look at verses 17 to 18. Look at this. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Listen, here's, it's the simple obedience of saying this. We know that God is able to save us, and we know that he's going to, and he's going to, he's going to show that he's the boss and he's the king. Even if he didn't, we don't care. We, to obey is better than sacrifice. We, we are going to just simply obey. That comes, guys, that comes from a pure heart. You're not wheeling and dealing, uh, dealing with God. You're not wheeling and dealing with other people. You're not trying to set up scenarios. You're not trying to say, you know, to cut your losses. You're just like, I'm all in. I'm trusting God with the outcome. He's got all of me, all of me and all of me and all of me. Trusting God with the outcome. Simple obedience. I, I, this is not, I want to say this, this is not a passage on how to be delivered from flames. Most of the time when I hear this, you know, it's, it's, that's usually the thing. But this is more accurately and biblically uh, how to get thrown into furnaces. <laughs> Honestly, it's not how to be delivered out of them. It's about how to be thrown into them. Yeah, don't bow down to narcissistic leadership. That's how you, that's how you get thrown in. It's not how you get taken out. Uh, one of my favorite book is, books is uh, Fox's Christian Martyrs of the World. And that book is full of people who were burned at the stake for Jesus, for not bowing down. Many of them could have, if they, if they just would have like torn their Bible in half and thrown it on the ground, they could have lived. And they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Burned by the church in many cases. So this is, this is not like, this is not a promise here that should you face narcissists, arrogant people's flames, here's how to get out. This is, a, a pure heart is just willing to go in. This is, not a, this is not that passage. It is a passage that shows what simple obedience looks like coming from a pure heart of devotion to God. This is, a, this is just what it looks like, guys. It's what it looks like, okay? <laughs> that won't be my most popular point. <laughs> but like a good Berean, right? It, it, test me out on that one, all right? Listen, um, uh, simple obedience says this uh, to, your, to your tormentors. Your threats and your rage are, are, do not scare us. At least they don't scare us en en enough to out of our disobedience or out of our obedience. They're, your fear is not going to cause us to disobey. That's what I'm trying to say. All right? There, there is, listen, there is a we won't bow type cry that comes from a rebellious spirit. All right? I see that one a lot, especially in the church. All right? We won't bow to this. We won't bow to that. Grab your gun, follow me. We're not going to bow. <laughs> Just to be a little more specific on what that sounds like. 
all right? And that, what was, that was the women talking to. That was an impersonation of the women of that group, all right? I can't do the men, they're more like Vikings. I have, I have no clue how to, how to describe them to you. But that, that just, so what happens though is that it's not a pure heart, it's maybe the correct stance coming from an angry heart, a heart of rage. And it's usually it's the right stand accompanied by arrogance, anger, rage, fury, all right? So it's actually this, this arrogant heart trying to make the right stand and that's not how the kingdom works, all right? What is purity hard? It's a refusal to defend self. It's, a, it's simple obedience. I would say it's just extreme confidence in God. It's extreme faith in God. God, you're good even in the face of weird kings. You're good no matter what. You're good in the outside the fire and you're good inside the fire. All right? If you look at verse 17, I, I love this. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Listen, no furnace is bigger than God. I, my God, my good God is always able. That's all I need to know. And, and it's, it's the pure in heart that, that hold that as treasure. My God is able when our finances don't make sense. You, you want me to treat you like family for a second? Anybody? All right. I had a finance meeting this week. Okay, we found that our, uh, we've never, we haven't bounced back with our finances since COVID, all right? Every month we're about a good 25 grand under what we need to be, all right? We were climbing January, February, and March, it looked good. We started kind of really descending into an unhealthy financial place as a church. Thought you should know that, all right? Maybe it's because we don't have good Wi-Fi here, so we just don't. You don't have good Wi-Fi. I'm not going to take the extra time to give it home. I don't know. Maybe it's because those things are on the walls. I don't know. Most of the giving has tapered off uh, via the online giving. Hopefully with the new app and the new website, we can fix that. When I heard this, though, I was tempted to be scared. Do you know the, the buck stops with me on this one, my friends? You, did, did you all sign your name on the line? I don't remember you there. All right. I, I was there, <laughs> just trying to simply obey. <laughs> okay, God, here we go. This is, this is Jesus. Nathan Herndon did not purchase this church with his blood. Yeah. Right? We've proven for, for 14 years we can do it without this. But we do think that a good, a good house is important to a great family. So we simply built the best house we could. And we want to reach the world in this house. We want this to be a, a catapult into communities. We, we want, we've got 70 acres of land. We, we want this to be a place where people can feel welcome, no matter what background they find themselves in, just to come and experience the love of God. We want to build a, a kid's play out, out, uh, area out there, nautical-themed, wind-themed. So the kids ask, why are all these flags around? Why, why do they blow around in the wind? And we get to tell them about God, the Holy Spirit. We want to a walking path. It'll be a walking path to the community. It'll be a prayer path to us yeah. as we just walk and pray and walk and pray. I think that we should have some hammocks there with little, there's little mini libraries, you know what I'm saying? So you can just take a good book that's gonna fire, light your heart, your humble, pure heart on fire for Jesus. Chase the bitterness out, welcome Jesus into and just lay on a hammock and learn how to actually take a Sabbath rest in a day. You know, we wanna have a, a, a disc golf course out there why is that? Because disc golf is big these days, especially among young people, and we want to build it so well that, that ESPN can roll in here and, and just do their thing up here. It's no joke. That's, that's, that's part of my heart and vision on that one. All right? It's just like, yeah, let's, let's, let's give our best to the community. Let's not just skimp and, and do the, like the, the churchy way, like the styrofoam cup kind of way in church. Oh, you really uh, you know, believe in coffee, don't you? Like in that styrofoam cup. We don't want to do that to the church in these days. And so like the, the dreams, and th those are the small dreams. The big dreams are crazy, all right? And so when, this is, when I'm getting this news about our finances and stuff, I wanted to say, God, I want to go rage. I want to go arrogant. Why can't these people? Why can't, oh, what, what? And, and then I want to go shame on myself. I'm not leading better. I'm not leading better. It's like all these people are counting on me. And I can't even get them to tithe. What I did do, though, is quickly after those things didn't come out of me. What I actually did though is I said, hey Chris, hey Tom, whoever was in the facility, let's go down to the house of prayer and let's just lay this before God. Let's just ask God what he wants to do. 
It's just a fire. You know to God what fires are? Opportunities for miracles. That's all fire is to Jesus. Just an opportunity for a miracle. So we're gonna posture our heart. We're gonna say, what a great, beautiful, good setup, Abba, that you've put us in a position where you can once again, for the billionth time at least, and that's rounding down, show your miracle working power to your kids. See, I think the greatest evidence of purity of heart, <laughs> let me say it this way, what vindicates the pure in heart, what fights for them, listen, is this. So listen, the presence of Jesus. You hear this? It's the presence of Jesus. What, what, what vindicates you in your, in your battle against someone who wants to burn you? Well, it's not you winning an argument. It's the presence of Jesus showing up in your life. So kings' minds and heads spin on their necks. What is going on? Did I not burn people in my rage and fury and wrath? Did I burn three people in the fire? Didn't I make it seven times hotter? The fire, when, when the king had these three thrown in, it was so hot that the people who threw the three in died. You talk about massive, nasty rage. And here, the king is sitting on his throne, weirdly and perversely, wanting to watch these three burn. But to his surprise, he sees those three walking around with a fourth. And he gets up out of his chair and he stares and he casts his gaze with just like more intent. <laughs> more intent. What is going on? And then he asks a question. Is my mind, is my, am I tripping? Didn't I throw three in bound? And now I see three unbound walking around, and, but there's a fourth. And here's how he could describe the fourth. It's like a son of the gods, he says. It's like, here's a Christless man. His knowledge of, you know, Old Testament scriptures, and I, I'm guessing is not there. But what he does know is he knows the gods he worships. And now he's looking at a fourth. That he, here's how he described it. It's, it's like a son of, it's like a God with them. Now, I think in this, in this case, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego make their stand and they're thrown into the fire, walking in humble obedience, extreme faith, extreme confidence. And when they're bound and throw in, thrown in, I'm sure they're scared. I'm sure it's not their greatest day at the moment, but it turns into their greatest day because of their purity of heart. I'm sure that as they fall in and they see, hey, we're not burning, we're living. Our bonds have come off, our clothes are not even being singed. And then they see this figure walking with them. I, I think with a smile on his face, guys, I just wanted to use this fire to get closer to you. I thought I'd, in your greatest moment of need, I thought I'd make my presence known. How are you doing? The king's flipping out on the outside, but on the inside where it's hottest, in the place that is actually created for destruction, Jesus comes and delivers. Now, some people will say, I really believe that this is the pre-incarnate Christ in the fire. I really do. Uh, the theological word for this is Christophany. It's a physical appearance of Christ before his incarnation. You, I want to remind you that Jesus was not created. He did not, not start existing at the incarnation. All right? He did not start existing at the incarnation. He always has been. He has always existed. And here I, before Jesus was incarnate, I believe that we find him in the fire with 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 these. Let me rabbit trail for a second on this. Here's why I don't think it was just an angel, because I think most of the times when we see in the Bible when angels show up, which they're very, very real, probably some, maybe some of you saw them this morning. We need to get used to, the, to their presence. If, if, we want, if we want our worship to be more like Revelation 4 and 5, listen, there's myriads and myriads of angels in that worship, okay? We, we, we just, listen, guys, if it's in the Bible, stop fearing it. Let it in, all right? So, but the reason I think this is, this is not an angel is because it, many times angels, when they appear, they appear to kind of be like, like a, a, a hand of retribu retribution or a hand of judgment, or they, they appear to send messages, all right? They should, hey, Mary, do not fear. This is what's going to happen, all right? It's, it's going to be good. But when, 
when heaven appears to deliver, it's Jesus. So this is, this is in my opinion, it's Jesus. It's the pre-incarnate Christ here with him. And guys, and for, for, for those of you who want a pure heart, let me just tell you this. The, the world may rage against you. The, the world may not see or understand you. you. You may choose to be bitter over that, okay? Let me tell you what's better than your bitterness is Jesus in your fire. Let me tell you what is, whoa, way better than holding on to anger and resentment and your stuff is knowing the presence of God in, in your hour of greatest need and your moment of greatest pain. That is way better than them all. And sometimes, sometimes fires come, but let me tell you who is there, no matter what the outcome, is Jesus, friend of sinners. He, the, it's the presence of Jesus. You know what the, the presence of Jesus does? The presence of Jesus makes a fire intended for consuming and destruction, a fire for refining. He says, this fire was made to burn you alive, but I'm just gonna make it to re refine you. So you always remember this moment that I am a God who does what I say. I am a God who shows up in your hour of greatest need, and I am a God whose presence is better than it all. This is, the presence of Jesus makes a fire meant for tragedy, a fire of victory. Do you see this? What, what, changes, from, uh, what changes from an unrighteous rage fire to a, a place of de deliverance is, is, not, is not just the guys in the Bible holding on to memorized verses, but is the actual literal presence of God with them in their dark moment. It's the presence of Jesus. Do you remember we talked about we got a baptism coming July 18th and it's gonna be great? It may be different than the last one, but it's gonna be better. But do you remember that, that while we were worshiping, my wife had a vision of Jesus walking in the back of the tent and kind of looking, he's larger than life, looking, just smiling at everybody. Do you know why the baptism was great and 50 people got baptized, not boiled? They got baptized and 25 people of those 50 got saved. The presence of Jesus. It is, listen, it is not, yeah. It is not just simply singing about Jesus, knowing about Jesus. It is actually experiencing his presence. It's the presence of Jesus refines arrogant accusers. The, the presence of Jesus can, is, the, is the one thing that can, that can break narcissism down to its roots. The presence of Jesus is the, is the one thing that can heal bitterness so it turns into purity. It's the presence of Jesus. It's not just reciting verses. It's, it's actually knowing the substance of what the verse is talking about. Jesus. And this is what he wants to do. He just, he wants to, how many of us are in a moment right now where that is way too big for us and maybe we're trying to argue our way out or maybe we're trying to worry our way out or maybe we're trying to anger our way out or maybe we don't know what to do and we're just depressed because we don't feel like there is a way out. Maybe we're so disappointed that we don't know what to hang on to. Maybe we've got something that is larger than life. Maybe the doctors don't know the way out. Jesus does. He does. So what I... What I want to encourage you with this morning is that whatever fire that you're in, no matter how malicious the intent from the enemy or from whatever, from whoever or however, whatever fire that you've been thrown into, invite Jesus in. Invite Jesus into your fire this morning. That is my best advice this morning. I don't know how to get you out of the fire. This is not a rescue mission. This has to be deliverance or nothing. Jesus just has to come deliver you. That's how it is. But it's what he does. It's what he does. How many of us would be honest this morning and say, I need deliverance from a fire? I need deliverance from a fire. Just I need Jesus, I need deliverance from a fire. It could be financial, it could be relational, it could be, it could be something old. Just, well, just try this. How many, not like yell at Jesus because you're angry that he let you get in the, uh, get in the fire, all right? Just you're in the fire, welcome him in. He, he specializes there. Welcome Jesus into your fire. I, I, uh, I wrote this this morning. I was just about to leave the house. I was just kind of wrapping some things up in the bathroom and I grabbed this 
piece of paper. I don't even know what it says on the other side. It says this. Here, here's what, here's a, another. I feel like God gave me two prophetic words this morning. This is one of them. That the new outcry, here's what the Holy Spirit is doing. That the new outcry of, of the church is less to be right and more for his appearance. That's what I believe. The spirit and the bride in Revelation say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And the church needs to be known less for being right and more for being those who cry for him to come. Come. Jesus, I'm in a fire. I release my bitterness about how I got here and how I was unjustly moved in. And now I just cry out for your presence. Who wants that this morning? Who wants that this morning? Just tell, tell God right where you're at this morning. Just like t- turn up the heat of your heart right now and just tell God right in your own way and that however you do this, it doesn't have to look good, sound good. Right out loud if you want to, on your, from your knees if you want to, from your face if you want to, from your feet if you want to. Tell God, God, we want you to come. I invite you to come. Come into this moment. Come into my situation. Come into this fire, God. Use, use it to refine me and make, make me more like Jesus, but burn away all the bitterness. Burn away all the rage. Burn away all the disappointment. Just burn it all away, God. And I just want to know the fire of your presence. So God, that's what I pray this morning in my life. That's why I pray for this church. That's why I pray over these people. God, that we would know the presence of Jesus no matter what fire we are in. And God, I just pray that we just pray we come out like silver and gold. Just like silver and gold. What was meant to destroy us has only been used because of Jesus to refine us and make us better. Thank you, Jesus, that you're doing this right now. And you're taking every attempt of the enemy to squelch us and squash us in his fear. And you're making us more like Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 